Hey, this is Caleb Cole, pastor of Project Church in Sacramento. And man, I am so excited for you to hear this word. I believe God is going to encourage you, strengthen you, and challenge you through it. So get ready to receive from God today. Let me read Luke chapter 16. I'm starting in verse number nine. Jesus is teaching the parable of the dishonest manager here. And here's what he says. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. One who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in, say much. If then you who have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust to you the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. And here it is. You cannot serve God and money. Today, we're continuing our poor series, a series on financial stewardship. I want you to turn to your neighbor because the title of my message today is Money Talks. I want you to tell your neighbor right now, tell them, Money Talks, and you can be seated in this place. Yes, 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 Money Talks. We have kicked off the series entitled Poor. This is week three. Next year is the, next week is the finale. Um, I believe God has been imparting a lot to our church. I know we don't always think, man, I know what I want to do. I want to go to church and hear the pastor talk about money. Some of you, it's your first time here. I'm sorry. Welcome to Project Church. But we're going to talk a little bit about money today. But I believe today is actually going to help us. It's going to uh, give us some practical tools and tips for how to better manage our money, how to better be stewards of our money, and how to better honor God with our money. But the series, Poor, P-O-U-R, is really what God has called us to be as followers of Christ, pourers, that we pour out on other people. In a culture obsessed with just trying not to be poor, obsessed with becoming rich, thinking that that will fix all their problems, how many know as followers of Christ, we pour? We're not trying to just store up treasures here on earth. No, we're trying to pour out on people so we can build treasures up in heaven. That's what this series is all about. But as I was thinking about this and God brought me to this text, God gave me this title of Money Talks, because how many of you know your money, how you manage it, what you do with it, how you spend it, will tell people about you. It will tell me a lot about you. Your money talks. That's what it means. The thing is, most of us don't really want to talk to anyone about our money. We don't want to sit through a four-week series from our pastor on our money. And I think it's because our palate isn't mature. Uh, you guys remember when you were kids and you just ate chicken fingers and fries and mac and cheese because your palate wasn't developed. We still have some staff members at our church that still eat this way. No shade, <laughs> Sam Flurry. But, but listen, our palates mature over time, right? Now when I go to a $100 a plate meal, I'm going to eat whatever it is that they bring us, exotic things. I'm married to a Filipino. We had some synagogue last night. Come on, somebody. If you don't know, you don't know. But I know because I married a Filipino. I used to only eat white people food. Now I eat everything. Come on, somebody. And uh, I was thinking about it, but I think that as it relates to our money, right, the reason we have a hard time hearing messages like this is because the palate hasn't matured of our spirituality. 
And so what I'm doing in this series is trying to help your palate mature in your faith. I'm trying to help stretch your faith, stretch your heart, stretch who God has called you to be. And it's uncomfortable to get stretched, isn't it? It's uncomfortable to be pulled and pressed and even feel a little pressure, which I'm not going to lie. I have been putting pressure on our church in this series, but God does something in it. And God wants us to change. He wants us to grow. He wants you to grow in your faith. So listen, I came here today not to just give you a nice little uh, few point message, but I came here to break off the stronghold of poverty that has been on some of you generationally for years. I came to break off the cycles of generational dysfunction on your finances. I'm here to break off the stronghold of the love of money, which let's be real, some of us have. And so I hope you came here ready for God to break some things off your life, to stretch you a little bit. And if you did it, it's going to happen anyways. All right, you're here. But man, sometimes we don't like to hear about this, but I was looking at how often words are used in scripture. You know, obey is used 170 times in scripture, the word obey. The word believe is used 272 times in scripture. The Bible. The word pray is used 371 times in the Bible. The word love, love is important, right? Is used 741 times in the Bible. The word give is used 2,176 times in the Bible. A third of Jesus' parables, teachings were about giving, generosity, stewardship, money. So listen, church, we have to talk about this. We have to. And in a culture that we live in of consumerism, we need to talk about it here in America probably more than any other country. And so God sent me today on a mission to challenge you. The end of this text said, you will serve one of two masters. And I wanted to ask you today, what master are you serving? This word is used, it says you you." you cannot serve God and money. The word used here is the word mammon. I'm gonna get to that a little later, explaining what that word means exactly. But this word of mammon or money is used four times in the Bible, but three of the times it's Jesus that uses it. And this is one of those moments. And so this is a very important teaching that Jesus gives to us here. It's the only phrase like this in the entire Bible where Jesus contrasts money and loving money with God and loving God. The only place in all of scripture. So as I said at the beginning, money talks. Everybody say money talks. But here's what I found also. That money walks. It often walks away very quietly. Especially when we're not paying attention to it. And so I want to share a message today. Uh, It's two parts. The first part is going to be about how money walks. The second part about how money talks. So first, ways your money is walking. Number one, not paying attention to where it is going. If you don't pay attention to where your money is going, it'll walk away. And it may walk away very quietly. Proverbs 27, 23 through 24 says this, know well the condition of your flocks and give attention to your herds. If I was to put it in modern terms, I would say, know well the condition of your stocks and give attention to your crypto. (laughs) For riches do not last forever, 
nor does a crown endure to all generations. This is a great word for us today that you would pay attention to where your money is going. You would pay attention to your flocks, to your finances, to what God has entrusted you with. Now, let's be real. We often avoid that which is glaring in our lives. I am a seven on the Enneagram. If you don't know what that is, personality test. And uh, thankfully, I didn't marry a seven because as a seven, I have a tendency to avoid. And so I remember being a young man and walking in to a store and going to buy something and scanning my card and just hoping and praying that my card would not be declined. Come on, somebody. Can anyone relate to this? But can I tell you something? If you're walking into a store hoping that your card does not get declined, you are not paying attention to your flocks. You are not giving attention to your flocks uh, or your stocks. You should know. I should not have ever walked into a store without knowing there's money in my account. And now it's easier than ever. Get the app on your phone, right? You have no excuses today. And yet how often do we avoid and ignore and just hope that things will get better without giving the proper attention to the flocks that God has given us to steward? And while you may be in this place and you're saying, Caleb, I heard you, you read about the unrighteous mammon. And, and can I be honest? I don't have enough of this unrighteous mammon to concern myself with this message. Can I tell you, you still have something. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And we are called, what does it say? If you are faithful with the little then you'll be faithful with much. We must steward well. We must pay attention to where our money is going or else it will walk away. The second part of ways your money is walking is you live from passions, not principles. Now, I, I'm a fan of passions, but I have chosen in my life to let my principles drive me, not my passions. Yeah. Now, passions aren't bad, but they can deceive us because how many know passions are fleeting? Passions change. It's said in verse 10, one who is faithful in very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. What is the principle here? The principle is faithfulness. That God is looking for a people that will be faithful. That's the principle. And I want to challenge us because too often we are living right now in a culture that tells you just follow your passions. Just do whatever makes you feel good. Just do what makes you happy. The worst advice, because what makes you happy in a moment can lead to your destruction in the long term. And so I challenge us that we would not be led by or driven by our passions, but would be led by and driven by our principles. Principles that are rooted in the word of God. I want to value principles over passions. I was thinking about when I was 11, 12 years old, my, my dad and my mom, we really wanted rollerblades. And I was very passionate about rollerblading. And me and my brother, every day we would put on the rollerblades and we'd skate around in our driveway and our street. And then I said, dad, I want to be a roller hockey player. And so he bought us a roller hockey net and we had sticks. And every day for two years, we played roller hockey in the street. Can I tell you something? When I turned 13, I got rid of the the the. Rollerblades, I got rid of the hockey net. I haven't touched either since. How many of you know passions are fleeting? You can be passionate about something one moment and not the next. I know because some of y'all were in the gym every day and now it's been a year since you've been. Pa 
passions are fleeting. We must be a people led by, driven by our principles. Why? Because principles are actually more powerful than passions. Principles endure. What I've seen is parents try to pass on passions, but it's principles that stick. With my kids, I want to pass on the principle that God comes first in our lives. Now, I'm passionate about basketball, and I watch the Kings faithfully. Come on, somebody. Kings over Warriors tonight in Jesus' name. Yes, Lord. I don't care. Steph Curry, I know he loves you, Lord, but I need you to let him brick some shots tonight, okay? I may be passionate about basketball and the Kings, but my kids may not be. And too often, we're just trying to pass on our passions as parents, pass on the principles to them. That's what matters more. That's what has lasting impact. So what I want to give you, talking on principles, I want to give you 10 biblical principles to live by as it relates to money. I got a lot of information in this first set of points, so a little bit like drinking from a fire hose. Are you ready? Some of you need to take notes, especially if you're struggling financially right now. 10 biblical principles to live by as it relates to money. These are all biblical. I don't have time to share all the scriptures with you, though. Number one, God is the source. Say, he's the source. Number two, give first. You don't have to say all of them. Number three, don't spend more than you make. Come on, this is a good word for somebody. Act your wage. Don't spend more than you make. Here's what I I read a, a study this week. I read a study this week. In Japan, the average person saves 24% of their income annually. In Europe, the average person saves 18% of their income annually. In America, the average person spends 1% more than they make. And I want you to think about, do we have a stewardship problem in this country? That's on average. That means some of you are way worse than that, and some of you are a little better than that. We have a stewardship issue, and in the church, we don't want to talk about because we don't want to make people uncomfortable, and that's theirs to worry about, and that's not my responsibility. No, no, no. The Bible talks about it. God challenges us in it. We need to have the principles to honor God with our money. Don't spend more than you make. This is biblical stuff, church. Be content, number four, with what you have. Paul said, I have learned the secret of being content in all things, writing this from prison. Can we be content with what we have? Or are we always looking at everybody's Instagram, longing for what they have, the trips they're going on, the, the, the things that they possess. Do we want, do we covet? Be content. Five, keep records. I said this earlier, pay attention to where it's going. Keep records. Six, work hard. Come on. The first command that Jesus gave, to, to, that God gave to Adam and Eve, he said, work and keep the garden. We are called to work and to work hard. I tell my kids all the time, you may not be the best, you may not be the most talented, but you will work the hardest. You will do your best. Seventh, be wise with debt. Come on, we gotta get out of debt, church. We gotta get, as followers of Christ, we need to set the example in what debt looks like. Too many of us are carrying around debt that's weighing us down, that's crushing us. Eight, plan for emergencies. Come on, financial margin, the unexpected. Nine, set long-term and short-term goals. And 10, seek godly counsel. If you're struggling financially, you need to talk to someone, a man of God, a woman of God, that you, can, that you can sit down with and say, I need some help. I need some godly counsel on this. The Bible is full of biblical principles on stewarding your money well, and I think too often we're not paying attention to it. We live from principles, not passions. But unfortunately, the reason our money's walking because we just follow whatever the new fad is, the new trend is, the new passion is. Third, 
today. Third way your money is walking is you're making poor stewardship choices every day. Listen, a lot of you make yearly goals at the beginning of the year. Here's what I'm gonna do, yearly goal. We don't need yearly goals, we need daily actions. Now, I'm not against yearly goals, but they have to be followed up by daily actions, daily making the right choices every single day. You need a plan, and then daily you need to follow the plan. Be a good steward of what you have been given. You see, what God says here and what Jesus is teaching them, he tells them, if you're faithful in very little, verse 10, one who is faithful in very little is also faithful in much. One who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. I believe that we actually earn the trust of God in how we steward what we're given. And some of you are waiting on your overflow, waiting on your blessing, saying, God, when are you gonna fill my bank account? And I think God is actually waiting on you. He's saying, I'm waiting on you to make right choices, for you to steward well what you've been given. You're like, I don't got much. Steward well the little you have. If you're faithful in little, guess what happens? You're gonna be faithful in much. Some of you think, well, once I have a lot, then I'll steward it well. No, no, no. If you don't faithful the little well, if you don't steward the little well, how will you steward much well? It starts right now, where you are. Daily choices, making good stewardship choices every single day. Here we go. 10 actions to steward better. I told you I'm going hard in this first section. I wanna help you guys steward better. This is, this is really practical, um, some practical tips. Um, some of you that are doing great financially, you're managing your money, you can just tune this out for a moment. Number one, cut coupons and find deals. It's okay to go to Ross Church, come on. It's okay to go to Marshall's. Number two, buy used clothing. Chrissy doesn't like this one, but I am a thrift store man. And so I decided today, if I'm coming, I'm gonna, I'm gonna wear it. So these pants I got for $2 at Goodwill. And some of y'all are out there going, well, they're too short on you, Caleb. I wanna tell you, that's the style, okay? I got the sauce today from Goodwill for $2. Buy used clothing. Number three, eliminate streaming services. Listen, we watch too much TV as it is. It's not helping us. It's not helping us grow. You don't need HBO Max and Paramount and, and Netflix and Hulu and Disney Plus and... and I could keep going, Apple Plus, you don't need all that. Some of you need to go home today and eliminate, boom, done, 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 done. Get rid of them. It's actually draining you. You're not stewarding well, and it's not even helping you. Number four, eat at home. This is shocking. Cook. This is shocking. You mean I don't have to eat out every meal? Eat at home. Make your own food. Number five, pack your lunch. The most expensive thing, cost we have is eating lunch out daily. So we've been bringing it. Uh, I tell Chrissy, make more. So we have leftovers. Come on, praise God for leftovers. Let's bring it in to lunch the next day. I'm helping you, church. Come on, receive this. Number six. Take it easy on the fancy coffees. Except for Blueprint. Every Sunday, spend all your money. But then during the week, Starbucks is ungodly anyways. Don't spend your money there. Bring it Sunday, buy Blueprint during the week, make your own at home. Number seven, okay, I'm gonna trigger you all with this one, all right, I'm sorry, this is bad. All right, number seven, sell your animal. I know, I know. Listen, 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 hold on, hold on. Listen, hold on, hold on, nobody walk out, just chill, chill out. Nobody walk out. If you can afford an animal and things are good financially and you're being a good steward, keep your animal. 
But if you are struggling monthly to pay your bills, you're in debt, sell that animal. I triggered a heck of people, I don't even care. Number eight, order groceries online. Actually, Dave Ramsey, financial guru, is encouraging people now to use Instacart, order groceries online. Why? Because you buy less, you waste less. We've been doing it for the last two years. Chrissy is the Instacart queen, so if you need any advice, talk to her, okay. Number nine, get cheaper or free hobbies. Um, golf doesn't count though, Lord, I know. Um, but everything else, <laughs> golf is blessed by the Lord. But if you are spending too much on hobbies, then get some cheaper or free hobbies, all right? Uh, I just started playing pickleball, it's free. You just need a paddle. Number 10, share a car. Christy and I for years shared a car. You may need to share a car to help yourself financially. Number 11, get a side hustle. Right now it's easier than ever to, to make side money, get a side hustle. All right, 10 actions, to, 10 actions to steward better. I know, I just wanted to have some fun with you. But, I, but these are real. I think some of you need to implement these into your life. Ways your money is walking. Now I wanna transition. I wanna talk to you about ways your money is talking. Because like I said, if I look at how you spend, what you do with your money, if I look at your bank account, it tells me something. It tells me something about you, what you value, what's important to you. Mammon, it says you cannot love God and money. The word used here for money is the word mammon. Jesus uses this word. Like I said, it's only used four times in the Bible and three times it's used by Jesus. And this is the only time that it's used in contrast to loving that or God. It's an Aramaic word meaning riches. It comes from the Syrian God, meaning riches. And Jesus here was referring to a false God that they would have all known about in this culture, this Aramaic false God. Now, this Aramaic false God of riches came from Babylon, which stemmed from the Tower of Babel, which I want you to think about, because at the Tower of Babel, what did they do? They said, we can build something all the way up to God. We don't need God. We can build anything we can think of in our own strength. And that's the problem as it relates to money. You know what we see when it comes to mammon or money? The spirit of mammon, this is what the spirit of mammon says. We don't need God if we have riches. That is the spirit of mammon that is at work in this world. That if we have riches, we don't need God. Can I tell you what that is? It is a prideful mindset. It is an arrogant mindset. And it is a mindset that will lead your life to destruction. You may have all the money in the world, but your life will be empty. Your life will be purposeless. Your life will be uh, without hope. You cannot serve God and mammon. Why? Because mammon, money, can become a God. And I wonder how many people in this room that money has become a God in your life. You bend the knee to it. You worship it. It leads your life. It leads your decision-making. Uh, you trust it more than you trust God. You see, we see it as the answer. The prosperity gospel, which I do not believe in, and the reason it's done such a disservice to the church is because it says, if you give, you'll get. So you don't give out of blessing, you give for blessing. And we were always meant to give from blessing. Like we've been blessed, so of course we give. I have breath in my lungs and talent and ability and, and the ability to work and make this money. So I'm giving from the blessing that I already have. But the prosperity gospel says give for the blessing. If you give this much, you'll get even more financially in return. And this works selfishness and greed into the life instead of out of the life. 
which is why it is a false gospel that has ruined many Christians. It's a selfish message. So when something goes wrong for someone financially, when you have this perspective, they get mad at God and they begin to despise God because it was a transactional relationship rather than, no, I'm giving from the blessing that I already have. And why do we have this perspective? Because we're loyal to mammon over God. So when the money goes, our allegiance or love for God also goes. Mammon promises us security, significance, happiness, influence, peace. Mammon wants to get you to serve it. It is a spirit at work in this world, and it's something that we must fight against. You know what Jesus never did? People came to him all the time, cried out, son of man, have, son of David, have mercy on me. Son of David, heal me. He never came to the blind man or the leper and said, I got you, fam, here's some money. I got you, fam, like, here's a few denarii. He never did that. You know what he did? He healed. He blessed. He broke chains off of the people. And I wanted to say this to you because money may fix some things temporarily in your life, but only Jesus can fix things eternal. I came here to declare to you today that there is one answer, and the answer is Jesus. He's the answer for your life. He's the answer for your future. He's the answer for this world, and we know him. And we must continue to love him first and foremost. You cannot serve God and Money, I want to ask you, who are you serving? Money is not the answer. I may, it may seem like it. It may seem like it right now with what you're walking through. But I want to tell you, it's not the answer. Jesus is the answer. Good stewardship is the answer. Ways your money is talking. Number one, you see it as the answer. Number two, you never do good with it. You see, mammon is a spirit. I said it earlier. And a spirit talks, money talks, and the spirit of mammon talks. What do you mean, Caleb? Let me tell you. You sit out here and you start to think, you know what? I'm gonna give something. I'm gonna give something extravagantly. I'm gonna give for the first time. I'm gonna give above and beyond. I'm gonna give the tithe. I'm gonna give something that costs me something. Can I tell you, when you start thinking that in your head, you'll also start hearing voices. Come on, you feel me? And right as you're thinking about giving, you start hearing voices. The voices start telling you this. Oh, oh, you can't afford to do that. Oh, if you do that, you won't be able to pay your bills. Oh, but if you give, you could do something better with that than give it to the church. And you'll start hearing voices. Why? Because money talks and the spirit of mammon talks. And the spirit of mammon is trying to tell you not to be generous when God has called us to be generous. The spirit of mammon is trying to get you to rely and trust in mammon rather than relying and trusting in God. And I've said it to you before. I said it a couple weeks ago. I believe that God can do more with 90% than I can with 100%. Me tithing, which I've chosen to do, and some of you, you need to just start somewhere. Start with 2%. Start with 5%. 10%. That's crazy for you right now because you just tip God occasionally. Let me tell you, start somewhere. But you know what it does when you start to stretch the muscle of generosity? You start relying more on God than yourself. 
You start relying on God more than your money. And so today I want to challenge you that you need to do good with that which God has given you. Now, here this text is talking a lot about unrighteous money. And I've read this scripture many times, and I'm gonna be real with you. I've read through the Bible dozens of times, cover to cover, and I do it every year now. But I've come to this text, and I never really understood it. Like, I didn't, and I have a master's in theology. And I would read this and be like, that's weird. Uh, okay, I'm just gonna go on to the next parable. Thanks, Jesus. Uh, and, and I understood parts of it, like, oh yeah, I can't love, you know, I can't serve God and money, I gotta choose. I got that part. But the verse nine, the verse 10 part, it kind of threw me off, I never really got it. So I was studying this week and I believe God gave me some revelation about what I can do with money and what he's speaking about when it relates to this unrighteous money. So verse nine says, I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth. Some of us read that and go, oh, so, so I'm supposed to like do favors for people financially. And uh, if I do like a favor for someone financially, then something good will happen to me. Like, is that what that means? And, and I've read it and I've thought that at times, like I used to think that for a moment. But it doesn't mean do favors for others. Here's what it means. He's saying this money, this, and he calls it unrighteous money, even though how many know money is neutral? The Bible tells us it's not money that's evil, it's the love of money that's evil. Taught on it a couple weeks ago. It's the love of money that's evil. It's the making money your master, mammon your master. But what was happening in this day was much of this wealth was done, for was done to, to impact people unrighteously. So they were enslaving people with this money. They were controlling people by making them in debt to them with this money. And so Jesus is calling like this unrighteous money, this, uh, these unrighteous riches. He's saying they've been used for unrighteous means. But I want you to take them and make friends right? Meaning make friends with this unrighteous money, meaning to take it and use it to build the kingdom of God. And then it says here, verse nine, by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. And I didn't get that. So I'm like, okay, so I'm reading and I'm studying. And I'm like, okay, so I'm supposed to make friends with this money, meaning I'm going to use it for good things in righteous ways, in God honoring ways to build the kingdom of God. When it fails, I begin to research the word fail, and the word fail actually means die. So what Jesus is saying here, he's saying, when you die, if you use this unrighteous money to build the kingdom of God and do good things, when you die, you will be received into eternal dwellings by those who have been entered into the kingdom of God because of your generosity. So watch this. We give to 40 different missionaries every single month here at Project Church. So when you give, we are able to support missionaries who are going to crazy places, unreached people groups, where 99% of the population does not know Jesus. They're having, to, they're having to do church underground and people are meeting Jesus. Here's what I, this text is saying, that when you get to heaven, because you have given for righteous means to the church to build the kingdom of God. There will be people that welcome you into heaven and say, thank you for giving. I'm here because you were generous. 
That is what Jesus is saying. So Pastor Perry Calavig is back here in the back. Hey, Perry, my brother. He just retired from his church, Harvest Church in Elk Grove. You pastored there for 20 some years? 20 years. Amazing man of God. Let me tell you something about Pastor Perry. When we, 10 years ago, needed to start this church, we had nothing. We had six people, no money, and I met with Pastor Perry, and I said, Pastor Perry, can you help us? We need some, some financial money. We need money. We need that unrighteous mammon, my brother. Uh, pass it on. And uh, Harvest Church gave us $15,000 to start Project Church. And can I tell you, now you're sitting here, Pastor Perry, I know you're retired now, living the good life, but this is the result of you stewarding into and giving to something that was gonna build the kingdom of God. How many of you have been baptized or given your life to Jesus in this church? Just raise your hand right now. Pastor Perry, I want you to look around. I want all you to look around. Keep your hands up. Baptized or saved in this church? No, 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 don't clap. I'm talking. Keep your hands up. Pastor Perry, I believe one day you're gonna be in heaven and I believe these people are gonna show up and they're gonna welcome you into heaven and say, thank you for what you gave. Thank you for being generous. Harvest Church. I went to him again. You can put your hands up. I went to him again when we found this building. I said, Pastor Perry, we need more unrighteous mammon. Can you help us out? They gave us another $10,000. This is what I'm talking about. We're building the kingdom of God. Come on, give it up for Pastor Perry. The generosity of the Calavigs. This is what I'm talking about. I know he gave up his own money in that too. Faithfully, not only are the people of his church gonna welcome him, but you all are gonna welcome him in one day. I believe I'm gonna step into the kingdom of God one day. I'm gonna step into heaven. I'm gonna be welcomed in by all those, not just who I led and, and was able to pray with and, and preach to, but those who I gave financially. And God said, because you gave, now these are welcoming you into the heavenly dwellings. Be generous. I'm just telling you, be generous. I'm telling you unashamedly, unabashedly, give to the church. I'm not gonna apologize for that. Why? Because we are building something eternal. Did you see all the hands? This is one service. All the hands that have been saved or baptized in this church. Over half this room probably. We're building something eternal. That's why I will unashamedly and unabashedly encourage you. Be generous. Give to the church. We're building something that has eternal consequences. And not only that, but we're actually changing legacies, generations. We're actually changing children because now they're upstairs being raised in the things of God and the ways of God. Can I tell you? Ways your money is talking, the last one, you have a hard time letting it go. You have a hard time letting it go. This conversation has upset some of you. I know you've laughed a little bit, but when it really comes down to you, are like, yeah, but that's for them, that's not for me. We have a hard time letting it go, and that's how our money talks, when we're like this, and, 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 and we just can't learn to do this. I believe that how you steward your money determines whether God will trust you with something greater. You see, it says if you're faithful with the little, I was reading it here, it says if you're faithful 
with the little, you'll also be faithful with much. If you're dishonest in very little, you'll also be dishonest in much. And so I talked about, I said, God's gonna, I believe he's waiting on you to pour out more in your life financially so you can steward it better. But there's something else that happened here. I've read, again, I've read this text so many times. God showed me something else I'd never seen before. You see, I came to verse 11. It says, if then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust to you the true riches? And I read that and I was like, the true riches, what are the true riches? What are the true riches? And I had to dig in and begin to study and, and research and, and, and I found the true riches are people. The true riches are people. If you can't steward well the unrighteous wealth, the, the money of this world that people have used for wrong things, God is not going to entrust you with the true riches, which is people. And can I tell you something? Heaven is being populated and hell plundered according to our offerings, according to our generosity. And I was thinking about this because my daughter is seven now and my, my boys are getting older and it's starting to kind of dawn on us. Like my son, my, he's 11. I'm like, man, this is going fast. And I was thinking about my daughter and she's seven. And I was thinking, man, one day a young man's gonna come to me He's gonna say, I'd like to date your daughter. And then one day a young man will come to me and say, I'd like to marry your daughter. Can I tell you? I already know the first thing I'm gonna do. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, I already know the first thing I'm gonna do. First thing I'm gonna do, I'm gonna go to his giving records. <laughs> you think I'm playing? I can, I can see everyone's giving. I could go look at all y'all's giving. Now I don't. But if I needed to, I could. And so if a young man comes to me and wants to marry my daughter, I gotta see how he manages the unrighteous wealth before I entrust him with the true riches, which is my daughter. So can I tell you something, church? I just wanna challenge you, because I believe that God wants to use you to build the kingdom in so many ways. And it starts with our stewardship, our giving, our generosity, and then it goes from there to where God begins to entrust you with people. He, put, he brings people along your path for you to minister to and to bless and to lead to know him and to speak the word of God and the spirit of God over their lives. But he's starting with right now, am I stewarding well this unrighteous money, this unrighteous riches, this unrighteous mammon? Because if I do steward that well, I'm telling you, he's going to entrust you with true riches people. And there's no resource more valuable than people. We've realized that in this church over the years, more and more. You are the most valuable resource on this earth. Your souls, your hearts, your, your talents, your, your abilities. And I believe today God is challenging us that we would be better stewards so that then he can trust us to steward people even better. Would you bow your heads across this room?
Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to the Project Church Podcast. We pray and hope that this message encouraged you, built you up, and gave you life. We want to ask that you would invest right now in what God is doing here in downtown Sacramento. We've just recently moved in to our all-new building in the waterfront, Old Sacramento District. We want to ask you, if you'd like to give, you can go to projectchurch.com forward slash give to invest. Let's see all that God can do through us.